0: Pride Institute is an LGBTQ-specific treatment center for substance use disorder and addiction. Pride was first opened in 1986 as a direct response to the HIV-AIDS pandemic. We provide care to adults 18 plus in residential and outpatient settings. I'm Luke. And I'm Kaylee. And together, we are the co-hosts of the Proud Voices podcast for Pride Institute. So, uh,
1: let's see, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I've lived... All over the country. I've, I've I've lived in California, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina. I mean, I've 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 made my rounds. But I ended up here because I was living in South Florida. I had I had I got sober off of drugs um, in my early twenties in um, a tiny little treatment center in boat Georgia somewhere. Um, and then I didn't. And then I switched over to alcohol. I stayed sober off drugs. Switched over to alcohol. Um, and I ended up going. I was like uh, my, my journey after drugs into alcohol was like a seven or eight year painful ride slow ride um until i finally um finally threw in the towel and my i wanted to come to pride but they were like a week and a half waiting list and i needed treatment like immediately Mm -hmm. so my mom sent me down to this really really bougie place in florida and i was down there for like a year and a half two years and I was like the only gay kid in an all-heterosexual treatment facility. Um, So it lasted for a little while, but it it really didn't last extremely long. Um, I moved into a house in South Florida with a couple of guys that became really good friends of mine. And uh, one of them relapsed really bad, and you know, heroin's really bad down there. Um, And uh, one of them died in my arms. And it was just, it was not long after that where I ended up, you know, just as screwed up as I was in Atlanta. So called my mom, said, get down here. Like, I think I booked her a flight in a blackout and then I passed out and she made it down there and packed all my stuff, sent me to Pride and I ended up, At the Pride Institute. Um, That was, I think, almost, it'll be seven years in November. Mm, Um, So I I went through, thank you, I went through the whole Pride inpatient program and then uh, I switched over here to outpatient. um, And that's what uh, brought me to Minnesota and then decided, you know, the community was so big
0: that I wanted to stay. How does uh, living in Minnesota rank in comparison to all the other places you've lived?
1: (laughs) You know, Minnesota is definitely a, a breed of its own. (laughs) Um, you know, being primarily Southern, uh, I get the whole, like, um, you know, welcoming and polite and, and it's just a different flavor of hospitality. Um, I feel like in the South, we're a little more direct with our, Emotions, motivations, things like that. I feel like we're a little more stark um, here. I feel like, and especially like being in the cosmetology industry and working with 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 clients on a regular basis. I feel like people are more likely to just smile and say they're fine when they're really not, mm-hmm. which I find very interesting. Um, it's taken some getting used to. Mm-hmm. Um, California, comparatively, is you know, I mean, got, California is like, it's, it's like Disneyland. It's like, it doesn't seem real <laughs> when you're there and when you live in it, especially in Hollywood where I lived, it was just, I mean, it was a lot of fun, but it's just a whirlwind of, of you know, everything there is all about um, external um, validation, I feel like, and uh, uh, so there was, it was a lot of fun, but it was somewhere I think I'd ever live again. Um, whereas Minnesota has been um quite it's just taken a lot of getting used to i think not only obviously the climate and and and, um the the personalities but also just the way of life is just very it's just very different than i think that i was used to Um, and i think it was a good thing um because the recovery community for lgbt is so massive here i think out of anywhere that i've ever lived there's more, there's more LGBTQ+ plus, um, recovery than anywhere, and I think it's, it's great to be able to go to a, a inclusive meeting pretty much every night of the week. So I think comparatively, in, in that note, it's just pretty much why I decided to stay. I mean, Minnesota's got a lot of really great great things from, you know, you know, the summer times are amazing with the lakes and the winter time there's, you know, winter stuff to do, which is very different than anywhere I've ever lived. But I think mainly the recovery aspect of Minnesota,
0: Minneapolis in particular, um, was just really appealing to me. Do you have any theories as to why the LGBTQ uh, recovery community here is so vast?
1: I do. Yeah. I mean, I think it really comes down to um, pride. I feel like because Pride has been here for so long and has established such a a large base, um, when I moved here, I was coming from somewhere where I was desperate for my community because I I had been taken out of my community for so long. And the first, it was like the first, the second day that I was in inpatient at Pride, they took us to a meeting at Breakfast Club, Mm -hmm. which is just, you know, 70 freaking homosexuals and queer people. And I mean, I wish I could have seen the look on my face. I wish I could have seen my eyes because I'm sure it was just a very much like, a just jaw hits the floor. Like I was, I remember saying to myself, like, I'm home. Like this is, I've never seen anything like this before. Cause even in Atlanta, where it's one of the largest gay communities in the country, recovery is not, the recovery community is not this big. So um, it was just, I was blown away. By how large and how you could feel the gay energy in that room, mm-hmm. and that was something that I was so starved of at that point. So I think that the reason that we have that is because you know Pride has made this such a landing spot for and um, the queer community to come and be comfortable and to find soul system. That. And I think you know we have so many LGBT um, sober homes as well. Mm -hmm. which is huge for me I mean it was like anywhere I've ever been I've never seen anything like it before so there's so many safe places that you feel comfortable being vulnerable and I think in early recovery that's really important
0: Oh, totally. I mean, even just in like a four block radius of where we're at right now in uptown, there's like probably 12 different silver houses. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My sponsor actually uh, uh, manages a couple of them. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's like it's just it comes at me from all angles, which is which is awesome. Yeah,
0: that is. cool. yeah. So you mentioned that you are in the cosmetology industry. I'm curious, were you in that industry uh, before you hit sobriety and how has that really changed for you uh, being a professional?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a big part of my story because I started, I went to hair school. I started hair young. Like when I was out living in LA, I was actually working for a guy who owned a flat iron company back when ceramic flat irons were just coming onto the market. And so I I hadn't gone to school or anything yet, but I was working for this guy with with a couple other guys. And, um, I really enjoyed what I was doing. So when I decided to go back to Atlanta when I decided to move home from Hollywood, I was super young. This was right after right after high school pretty much um that I went out there. Um I came back, I was like, you know, I really enjoy working with people's hair. I should, you know, I should consider that. And then I um got a job at a really nice high-end salon in Atlanta. And uh, they were like, yeah, you're really good. You should go to school. And Paul Mitchell had just opened up their newest academy um, in Atlanta. It was beautiful. Um, And so, you know, my dad was just super excited to hear that I wanted to go to school. So (laughs) um, he helped me get a loan and I started out there. Um, But I, I was, I got right back into my old ways Um, and was, you know, heavily addicted to crystal meth and and the party scene in Atlanta. So I ended up like not going back to school. Um, And then, you know, my whole life went down a crap hole when I'm with my drug addiction. But uh, when I got sober um, in Atlanta, you're able to apprentice um, versus going to school. So you can get your hours while you're working in a salon. And so I finished up my schooling with that. And then I worked, you know, I, I was at that salon for 15 years, almost up until 2020, where I was still traveling back there. Um, but uh, then in the midst of my, you know, alcoholism and, and, and the severe drinking um, that I did, um, I, I kept working through that. And I, once I went down to Florida, I, when I was like, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to do a recovery thing down here. I worked in a salon down there. Then I decided I was going to move up to Minneapolis. And at that point... I was homeless. I I didn't have really much anything. My belongings, my mom put in storage. So I moved up to Pride um, with nothing. And I lived in, you know, I moved into a sober house after treatment. I worked at Barnes and Noble um, as like an assistant manager for like the holidays, like three months. And then I was like, what am I doing? Like. stylist, And I remember I was at a little church in Bryn Mawr where they were doing an meeting right there. And I saw this salon and they, I taught for a company called Davines, which is an Italian co- color company for, um, many years in my career. And I just happened to notice they had the product there. Well, I went in and talked to the guy and I was like, Hey, listen, I'm, you know, I'm a Davines educator. And like, I really want to work here. And he was like, well, we are um, you know, everybody here owns their own business. It's a rental leasing type situation. Like you have to have a clientele in order to, um, really work here. And he was like, I tell you what, I'll give you free rent for six months and but you're responsible for everything. You have to market yourself. You have to build your business. And I was like, done. So, um, I started working there and within six months I had, um, built a clientele that was enough to sustain, pay my rent, um, pay for my color. Like I kind of. Sp- started my own business within a six month period because I didn't really have any other options. Um, so I kind of learned the ropes and everything. Like, I mean, they were there to help me, but like nobody held my hand. So I created Gavin Victor Hair Artisan. I worked for a salon a long time ago in Atlanta. It was, I remember it was called Carter Barnes Hair Artisans. And I always thought that sounded so fucking French and fancy. And I was <laughs> like, I always, that always stuck out in my mind. So when I had to create a name for my business, even though I was in another salon, I went with Gavin Victor Harrison. That was my LLC that I functioned under for the first, you know, for up in, even till now. Um, so I worked at that salon for um, like three years. And um, there was a lot of, there was some really bad relationship in there and a few stumble and falls of relapse in there. And um, I ended up not being able to go back to that salon, but that's when I decided to move to Uptown to a rental situation in the salon there. And, um, you know, this is all, this is like all, every relapse that I've had, I'm not the type of person where I relapse and I just keep going and keep relapsing and keep relapsing. I I fall and I get back up. I know that I have to be sober. Mm -hmm. My parents met in AA. I'm alive because of AA, like literally. So like, I know where I have, I have a very well-earned seat in recovery. So I, I've had a few stumbles, but like, through it all, like I was able to, you know, manage to keep everything going, manage to keep my clients. When I left that salon and I had my big relapse in the end of our relationship, I really had to start all over again. And then right when, I so I worked at a salon called the Hair Lounge here in Uptown, right in the heart of Hennepin, incredible location. Um, and right when I was getting really, really um, built up again, COVID happened. And so it was like a hard stop. And then it was like, had to rebuild all over again, it felt like, because I mean, I don't know what happened to people. I don't know if people didn't want to come down to the cities. And then George Floyd happened. And yeah. I mean, so it was just like, it's been such a roller coaster of, of life when it came to this, because it was like, I had to be super resilient. So many places did not make it in the pandemic and after, and George Floyd and everything that's happened to our city. And not only did I flourish, but The owner of the salon that I was working under decided she didn't want to own a salon anymore. She moved down to Miami and she was pretty much like, okay, well you can take over the salon or you can find somewhere else to work. And I was like, I don't wanna move. I don't wanna leave. I'm not a big salon jumper or anything like that. So I decided that I was going to take over, not only take over, but completely gut and rebrand the entire salon. So in May of last year, I started a um, full renovation. So we gutted it, completely remodeled it brand new, and then I completely rebranded it to Gavin Victor Harrison. So that was in May and August, my grand opening happened and I had like 90 people there. The Uptown Association was there, did a big grand opening like ribbon cutting. I had like 15 to 20 people, friends, family from my entire life fly in for the thing. It was like a big, massive four day celebration um, with people from like my best friend from childhood all the way up to my friends in recovery, friends in Atlanta. Um, one of my best friends is on RuPaul and she came and hosted the event. Oh, okay. um, and so it was just a, it was just a, it's been, absolutely insane. And I think that it wasn't really until like, I had all the pieces for recovery. You know, it's like, I always tell people that I'm working with or when I'm speaking is that, um, you know, I could teach a Harvard masterclass on recovery. I mean, I've done the homework. I've done the work I've been through my whole life. I've been recovery has just been surrounding me but it wasn't until that i realized that i wasn't applying everything that i learned to my life i was learning it i was being the perfect you know perfect recovery student but i wasn't actually putting the things into place in my life hmm. and once that kind of snapped for me and i realized that there's a difference between just learning the information and living the information right so once i started once i realized that a that and b that like every decision that I make in my life and in my recovery affects everyone that I care about in my life. And I think that like, even when I, times that I've been sober, but I've been just a mess everywhere else, it's really affects people all around us. Like every decision that we make affects people so much. And I didn't, I I think I really came into a realization of that and it kind of mortified me, the way that I was showing up, the way that I was treating people when I was sober, it it really, really, really stuck a chord with me. And I think it made me change the way that I approach life. Like I really have to check myself because I will go from zero to selfish in like Mm 2.6 milliseconds. And I won't even realize that I'm doing it. I think that's what scared me the most. Mm -hmm. Um, And like the last time that I had a slip, it was on, I, I, I was on a benzodiazepine for my anxiety successfully for like two and a half years. And um, it caught, before you knew it, I was addicted to Xanax bars and I didn't even realize it. I didn't even, I was doing like four Xanax bars a day and completely oblivious to the fact that I was a disaster. Mm -hmm. I could, it scared the hell out of me. And like the fact that that crept up on me so quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really think it just, it made, it made me realize that for the rest of my life, I have to keep myself in check and, and have to catch these behaviors and catch these actions. Um, and that's just something that I have to be okay with and something that I have to constantly, it's just like going to the gym. It's just like, you know, like anything that takes motivation and practice with yourself is like, you, you really have to be, be aware. And I, and I'm very blessed, you know, I have an amazing husband. I have people that love me. I have incredible family. I have people who will hold me accountable for it. Um, so again like that too is just like having those systems of support like you always hear like support is so important support sober support this and that like and i never realized until i really had such an imperfect support system like how much that grounded me instinct. so so in a long stretch yes that that i think being in the industry and doing this you know on my own has definitely been a heck of a roller coaster because um, I didn't have anybody holding my hand. Mm-hmm. So I really not only had to, like, I just, I, I feel like I'm the master multitasker. Like I can really, I can really put 10 plates in the air, but I think the best thing that's ever happened to me that my therapist <laughs> and my sponsor praise me for is that I've learned when to say, my plates are full.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, and as- That a, is a really
0: important lesson to
1: learn. Oh, totally. As a Especially as a business owner, like a, of one, like I, I do everything. Mm-hmm. I have to learn when to say, and
0: that's not enough i know yeah so i think what i hear the most out of your story that inspires me so much is that success is possible after recovery absolutely we look at it as this like end all be all type thing of like oh i failed because i'm going to treatment but there's so much life left to live after you leave so i guess as a parting thought what would you say to that person who's at their rock bottom right now
1: oh recovery, getting into recovery, whether it's your first time or your 26th time, this is the beginning. This is not, this is not the end though. Like getting sober is the beginning. Like that is where life starts to become wonderful again. Uh, I have been so blessed and I, uh, so many times I don't understand why Um, after everything that I've done in my life that feels like so gut (laughs) wrenching horrible, Um, I continue to be blessed with things beyond my wildest dreams. Um, and all I do is keep doing the right thing and keep being a good person. Like that at the end of the day, like the only responsibilities that I have is to lay my head down sober at night, everything else falls into place um and i think what's amazing is is like yeah no bad things are going to happen that's just life life is you know happiness is not something we chase happiness is something that happens where your feet are and if you're constantly behind or forward you're never really experiencing that bad things are going to happen that's just that's just part of life and the great thing is though is that if you get yourself to a point to where you're comfortable with who you are um, what you represent, what you want to be, and 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 where you are going, um, whatever happens, you can get through. Like I can honestly say today that there is absolutely nothing in the entire world that can make me pick up anything again. at least today. And that's a really comforting feeling because there were so many times where I never thought that I could get this far. And now I have, And even now when I have so many successes and so many comforts and so much happiness, I still get into my head and I'll go, just wait, something's something's coming, something's going to happen. You know, it's all going to come crashing down. That's trauma. (laughs) We put ourselves through a lot of hell and trauma. So I think to the people who are at that lowest point it's like, I remember people coming into the treatment center when I was, detoxing and I was, my nervous system was so shot and I was in so much physical and mental anguish. I remember looking at people and go, all I wanna do is feel what they're feeling. All I wanna do is smile like they're smiling. Like All I want in the entire world is to not feel like this anymore. Mm -hmm. And like one foot in front of the other, one sleep followed by another sleep, followed by another sleep every day. I won't say that every day. There have been plenty of days where I didn't get better, but I was just okay. Which is probably one of the hardest things actually for me is just being okay, not being really bad or not being really great. So there's lots of that too. But like for the most part, it's a forward momentum, you know, do the the next right thing for you and just, just keep, just keeping a good person. Just don't just stay away from substance. Stay away from anything that makes you feel too good, because well, you know that's not that's not natural. It's like it, like don't alter your mood, don't alter the way that you feel. Learn how to feel what you feel and be okay with it, no matter what. Because um, at the end of the day, it's not about material things. It's about waking up in the morning and and feeling good, having a spiritual um, a spiritual connection to something that makes you that, that keeps you out of yourself. Um, and being able to wake up and feel good every single day is like such a success because we put ourselves through so much pain. So you don't have to be in pain. You don't have to be in pain. And I think that, you know, recovery is just, it's, there's nothing, any day of my using that was anywhere near even my worst day. I know people say that a lot, but like my worst day sober is miles better than any day that I had when I was fucked up. So. What a note to end on! Amazing. Thank you so much. for. Yeah, thank you. Oh, I'm so excited about this. Thank you. I'm sorry, like my schedule can be a little crazy sometimes. So oh. I'm at the
0: mercy of other people <laughs> all the time. So Hit you in and it worked out. <laughs> thank you for joining us on this episode of Proud Voices. You can find us where you find all your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to follow and subscribe. <laughs> and we'll see you next time.